Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to episode 28 of the Middle-Aged Outlaws podcast. I am Ross and I am here as always. No, I'm not. Hold on a minute. Adam can't be here this week, unfortunately, but I do have his younger brother, Adzekio. Adzekio, how's it going? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good thing that you've, you know, um, kept me up with that because I would have had no idea what you were talking about. <laughs> Your favourite current storyline. Yeah. Fair enough. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, how are you doing? You alright? Yeah, I'm alright, thanks. Yourself? I'm good, thank you. Um, good. I have a, a giant thank you for um, to give you for the present that you gave me, uh, which is SummerSlam 2002. One unbelievable pick you gave us. We're watching. Watched it last night, so it's very fresh at the brain. Awesome. Yeah. Um... It was good. It's a good show. We'll get there as we talk through. But yeah, it was that was a, a fun watch, that one. So, normally when we're doing historical things, I like to look back and see if there's any sort of um, events that have happened round about when the pay-per-view was. So, um, August 2002. Uh, for the last one, we went back to August 1992 and there were some um, quite significant things that happened. This time... I was really struggling. I don't have anything. Oh. I, I did, someone called Lil Tekka was born. That's what okay. we're talking about here. So I've I've no little cheeky bits of fun to get us started. We'll just go straight in to the pay-per-view. Um, <laughs> but let's, let's find out why did you pick SummerSlam 2002? Okay, so... The last time we did one, you picked SummerSlam 92. Correct. And I, I'd had it in my mind. We'd done a lot of things, like we'd gone through the manias and picked our favourite manias, which was watching a lot of mania. We'd done rumbles, so I'd watched a lot of rumbles. Mm. And SummerSlam's just like that. It's that big event that I hadn't really gone back and watched an awful lot of. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was thinking, I'll, I'll stick with the SummerSlam theme. And then once I decided I was doing that, I remembered that... Um, has it been months ago or maybe even a couple of years ago? I was looking, you know, you sometimes get a night where you're just like, I want to watch a pay-per-view. I don't know what pay-per-view. I just want to watch one. Sure. Um, and so I, I Googled it and I looked up best pay-per-views to, to watch. And, you know, there's loads of manias listed and I'm thinking, I've seen them all. I've seen them all multiple times. And then right near the top of most lists was this SummerSlam 02. And I remember thinking, oh, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. But I never actually got round to going and watching it. So when uh, you'd made your pick and I thought, oh, it's me next. I thought, which SummerSlam was it that was on that list that was near the top? And I found it and I was like, yep, yeah, going with that one. And when I looked at the card, I thought, hey, it has to be good, right? It has to be. 
Like we, we've seen with WCW that a card on paper does not equal <laughs> a card in reality, a, a, a five-star card. So uh, uh, it's an unbelievable pick and it's an unbelievable pay-per-view. Sometimes we have some of our sort of favourite times talk about shows when they are pretty awful. Um, <laughs> but I absolutely loved every... I, I don't have any complaints about any matches. Um I could try and find some for for our own sort of comedy purposes, but nah, it's an amazing pick. I've, um, I've only got, I, I tried, remember we used to, I think when we were watching a lot of stuff yeah. and we were thinking we can't go through everything, we were doing like a, what was good, what was not so good. Yep. And I've, 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 I've I decided I would keep that and then I've got one thing in the not so good and it's only one. Okay. Um, but I'm thinking, do I just say it and then it's out the way and then we can move on? Um because it's not actually a match I'm as worried, such. worried about what it is. What if it changes my whole perception of this golden pay-per-view? It, it shouldn't, because it's not a match. It's definitely it's a show. That, yeah, that's what it is. That's exactly what it is. Why does it get so weirdly sexual? I don't... <laughs> <laughs> Why does she look... There's a, there's a point where she looks at his crotch. Yeah. Like, it takes a little pause and looks at his... Why does she do that? What's it going yeah. to do with RVD having the Intercontinental title? Damn it. And then there's like, I can't remember if this is in the same segment, but after he's bragged about, it must be, because after he's bragged about his show now having the Intercontinental belt, she kind of, yeah, she looks him up and down and then laughs and then walks off. And I'm thinking, is that going somewhere? Because that was a weird segment, mm-hmm. you know, just weird. Um, that's, that's my only criticism of this show was that, that whole thing. And unfortunately, these little, uh, vignettes are, are peppered throughout this, this show. It's yeah. kind of like the running storyline is that they're both GMs of, of Raw and Smackdown. So this is we should probably point this out, this is our first SummerSlam after the inaugural brand extension yeah. um, and I want to say it's maybe five months four or five months into um, the separate Raw and Smackdown rosters. Okay. So that's why we have this whole, they're really pushing it yeah, this is a raw. Let's show the the raw uh, roster. Let's show the SmackDown roster. So, and we get split commentary teams as well. Here we got Jr. and King representing Raw, and Michael Cole and Taz representing SmackDown on the different matches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but I that's why we're getting these quite simply awful <laughs> little bits in between where they're clearly reading scripts, and it's just so unnatural looking. Yeah, I don't know if. Um... Like I feel like Stephanie maybe got better at at just being a character mm-hmm. because this seemed bad, you know. The, 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 just the way she was acting through it seemed bad. It did. Um, Bischoff looked a little bit like Rocco that we talked about <laughs> in the last. <laughs> so that's what became of Rocco. Okay, <laughs> he started out on the front of the motorbike, and then hey, he does ride motorbikes as well, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. Could have solved the mystery. <laughs> So that's you set the scene. That's that's where you got the, that's where you got the inspiration from. Yeah. Uh, 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 we'll speak about my next pick, my pick for next podcast at the end. But my God, I have struggled. There's there's no top in this unless I just pick WrestleMania 17. Then there's no top in this paper. <laughs> you, you could pick just deliberately pick a really bad one, and then it kind of sets the bar quite low, which helps me the next time. Nice. Okay. Invasion yeah. it is then. <laughs> <laughs> shall we shall we jump into our matches let's go for it yeah how oh. how, how is, is there a better opener 
Yeah, this is this is something I wanted to speak about because you know I'd, I'd said to you we can talk through you know what happens in each match, but I, I feel like that somehow doesn't really paint the picture enough. Mm-hmm. You know, just talking through moves and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, you've got the opening match being Kurt Angle and, and Rey Mysterio, who are you know we we know they're very good workers, very good performers. Um, Kurt Angle is sort of known to be the guy that adapted better to professional wrestling quicker than, than anyone ever had. And Rey Mysterio, I, I assume, probably considered the best or certainly one of the best high flyers ever. Um, and it's a good dynamic. They have a really good match between them. They, they, it, it just gels together really well. Mm-hmm. And there was something I, I remembered when, um, I've been listening to some of the Kurt Angle podcasts um, that he does and he talks about this this era when uh, they had it it was like he was on Smackdown um, and you know quite a few of the guys we'll speak about were on Smackdown but he felt at the time like Smackdown was the wrestling show and they were kind of just allowed not free from the restrictions of storylines but it was about the wrestling on Smackdown Um, and he talks about, I think it's like the Smackdown 6 that he refers to, and it's him, Rey Mysterio, uh, Benoit, um, I think Eddie Guerrero for a period of time, and there's like, he, he names six of them, yeah, and you true. could, yeah, I think so, and you could basically put, you know, mix up who the matches were, but you knew you were going to get a really good match, mm-hmm. regardless of who you were working with, and he was like adamant that although Raw was the Smackdown show, like all the good wrestling was on Smackdown. At the time, and you can kind of see what he's talking about as you know the, these two face off. And I remember when I was, um, I think when I was younger, you would hear things about people being, you know, their position on the card. Um, and you look at, you know, if if you're on first, are you like what's it referred to, like a curtain jerker or something like that? Yeah, but I think the the perception of it's changed massively. Because you, you hear, um, you know, one of the reasons Jericho gives is leaving WWE uh, after his, his last run was that he had this storyline going with Kevin Owens. It was going to originally be for the title at WrestleMania, then they, they got bumped down the card. But they ended up just kind of middling mm-hmm. in the card, and yeah. that annoyed him more because he basically said, put us on first or last. Yeah. And I think first has now got the, the sort of respect it deserves as a position because it's how you start your show. Yeah. Um, and there, there aren't really bad matches on this card as such, but um, what what a great way to start! It's just with a, a really really good wrestling match. It's unbelievable. Um, a, a couple of things I've written in my notes here. You've sort of touched on the chemistry between the two is just perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels as I've written down. It feels like Rey Mysterio was made for Kurt Angle to wrestle against. Yeah, it, it allows him to do everything that makes him look really impressive, but also he's so good at selling and throwing yeah. himself out of the place that he makes Mysterio um, look believable that he could beat somebody of his uh, the Olympic calibre. Yeah. It's just, it's a hundred mile an hour. It's constant. You can't look away. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's absolutely amazing. Like I say, I, I genuinely don't. Well, I can't think off the top of my head, and I've had a little bit of a think if I can think of a better opener to a show. I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. I think um, there's one. Was it was it match one? Is Brett Owen? Is that yes, WrestleMania ten? That's sure. probably the the other one that jumps out straight away. Um, but like, what what I loved about this 
is that there is a little bit of storyline in there, you know, and they'll, they'll tell you about the fact that um, Mysterio's scored a win uh, against Anger, scored a pinfall against Angle. Um, Angle is angry about that, almost embarrassed mm-hmm. about that, and has vowed to make him tap out and wants to break his ankle. And that's it's such a simple story, but it, it's enough. Yeah. It's enough for carrying a, a match through. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like, you know, through quite a lot of his career, you know, Kurt Angle was up against wrestlers similar size to him. A lot of it. He's not a massive guy. He's a big guy, but he's not a massive guy. But yeah, you get to see this side where he is physically dominating, um, and able to do, you know, all his, his suplexes and his throws and things like that. Um, but what they didn't do in any way through the match is bury Mysterio. No. You, you, you come out of it. I think in my mind with him elevated a bit, even though he's lost the match because it's, he was able to angles. hang in there. Aye, absolutely. Aye. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, obviously it's, it starts off fast paced. Mysterio, uh, I think always would start off fast paced. Um, some really good sequences. Uh, it feels like, you know, Angle's trying to, as he logically would, get it on the mat and wrestle. Um, whereas Mysterio's trying to keep him on his feet, be a bit faster. Um, and just that really basic match logic right. that that should be there. Believable. Uh, yeah. Like Raven Studio's a lot smaller, he's a lot quicker, so he, he tries to keep him on his toes and, and keep moving constantly. Yeah. Um, like you say, Angle's trying to pin him down. It's, mm-hmm. like, it's all logical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got your, your spills out to the floor, you've got some dives, uh, but you, what you've got is a lot of wrestling, a lot of counters, and this idea that Mysterio's so... I don't know, quick and slippery type thing mm-hmm. that uh, the angle can't hold him down uh, for any length of time to, to properly dominate, but it feels like he's on physically on top for for most of the match. Yeah. Um, I think the you know at, at the point the submission comes, um, there was something else that uh, that was sticking in my head again from the Kurt Angle podcast. He's not the most like electrifying podcast you've ever heard but he does he doesn't hold anything back he will just say exactly really? what yeah um i mean he, he speaks a lot about his own problems and issues and stuff like that but he's not in any way guarded about what he says which right. is quite refreshing from from some of them um but he talks about the fact that in promos he says i was never a promo guy but I could deliver them and I, I felt like I got quite good at them but he said that the thing that he would always do is he wouldn't make outlandish guarantees or claims he would always try to keep it in the realms of realism um, which you know if he's going on a promo before this match by the sounds of it which is I'm going to make him tap out and you know he does make him tap out mm. um, whereas he, he said that you know he hated hearing things like I'm going to kill that guy and stuff <laughs> like that you're like well you're not you know, he just so he he tried to always keep that within the the realms of realism, um, and he's uh, he's had a a couple of attempts to to get the ankle lock applied um, with the odd you know counters and scrambles and being too near the ropes and things like that. But eventually, drags him to the middle of the ring, and you know, as we mentioned earlier, Mysterio's got no no real option but to tap out. But it's it's the that that feeling of he looked on that level. And you're thinking that's another guy that you can then see right at the top of a card. Yeah. I, I really liked the way that the finish came about with the way that um, Mysterio had him on the on the top turnbuckles. He was going to hit mm-hmm. a Frankensteiner and 
just an intelligent reversal where Angle sort of takes it a little bit but lands on his feet. Yeah. Um, and he's shows the sort of difference in power to be able to just drag, like you say, drag him in the middle of the ring and, and put mm-hmm. on the ankle look. It's, it was uh, it's amazing. Really, yeah, really it was good. It was a good, as you say, it, that was a good finishing sequence because, again, that reality feeling, you know, he he could have the power to stop that. Was that Hurricane Rana being applied yeah. um, and, and basically stand up to block it? Um, and because we'd already seen in the match a couple of Hurricane Ranas that were successful, you're looking thinking, well, yeah, he's he's got a way of, he's come up with a way of uh, countering it. Yep. Um, yeah, just a really good logical match. And I was also pleasantly surprised, I, you know that way where you're kind of programmed to expect to see things, I kind of expected to see him trying to break his ankle after the match or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Nothing. That was it, it was done. Yeah, me too. I, I was watching thinking he'll go back or he won't release. Yeah. You know, there'll be, there'll be something. Um, but no, just he, he won. That's it. You move on. Um, yeah, really, really, really good. Brilliant. Then we jump to Stephanie and, and Bischoff backstage and this is where they, uh, they come together. Stephanie's walking along the hallway with someone. And she said something like, tell Eric Bischoff that I said blah de blah The guy goes in one direction, she turns round and walks into her room and Eric <laughs> Bischoff is sitting smiling at her like a Kendall. Yeah. That was weird. And then yeah. they have this scripted back and forth and decide that they're going to sit in the same room. Yeah. Um, so I didn't actually take a note on whether things are Smackdown or, or Raw and I kind of wish I had yeah. just to compare what you were saying about the wrestling versus storyline mm. stuff. Neither did I, but I think Flair Jericho is raw. Mm-hmm. I think, and that um, that is it is interesting what you said um, there about what Angle was saying because you can actually kind of see it, yeah, uh, when you're when you're looking through uh, the matches on the card, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Because you would think, I mean, obviously Chris Jericho would fit in very well on the SmackDown side, and probably at times would be wishing he was on that side. But uh, yeah, we've got a. They, 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 that again we've mentioned before how they do the the packages to, to fill you in on where we are with uh, with storyline. Um, I had no idea Fuzzy were a, a thing in two thousand and two. Nah. I don't ever remember Jericho performing on Raw with Fuzzy or anything. No. I so if this is past me. Yeah, possibly. I, I don't know for sure. I think I probably was watching live at this point, but I can't, there's a lot of it I can't remember, mm. um, which is a shame because, you know, based on this, it was, it was pretty damn good. Oh. Um, so yeah, we've got, um, we, we see, uh, Ric Flair interrupting basically a, a fuzzy performance and, you know, Jericho's not taken too kindly to that. He's, he's basically charged the stage and he's, uh, attacked Jericho and, like uh, a madman in that little video. <laughs> Yeah. Grabs a guitar and covered in blood. I think. Yeah, um, I, I don't know what um, whether he had a role or he was just an active performer here, Flair. Or I, I don't really so, know. So around about this, so SummerSlam two thousand two. So Flair returned at Survivor Series two thousand one. Sorry, the night after. Remember, um, and he'd bought the shares in WCW. Oh yes, ECW. Yes. Yeah. Um, then. I think he fought the Undertaker at WrestleMania 18, which would have been in yep. this year. And yep. I, I want to say, as a result of losing that match, he lost his shares. I, I think he, Vince. I think he like gave them up to have the oh, match or right. something I, like that. You're right. Yeah. You're right. That's how the brand yeah. split came about because he gave his shares to the board, Linda McMahon. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So he must have just been 
on the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, and the, you know this match is. Uh, has come about and is is kind of played as a you know it's obviously young guy versus veteran. Um, they they actually position it. I think certainly the the announcers do as figure of four against the walls of Jericho. Mm. Um, I assume these guys would have crossed paths in WCW. I don't know if they had matches at all when they were there, but um, I was I must admit when I see Ric Flair. I kind of get a little feeling of dread <laughs> and, and I was thinking I might not love this uh, but I, I actually really enjoyed this match Me too I th- Yeah, I, I, feel, I feel the same and sometimes if I'm looking for, similar to what you were saying there, you're sort of looking through the network for something to watch and you'll look through a pay-per-view and there's a lot that I've never seen probably between like 03 and I don't know, 08, 09 sort of thing Okay. and it's like Ric Flair versus Fit Finlay in a hardcore match, and you're just like, "What on earth?" Ric Flair versus Jeff Hardy in a TLC match, you know? And you're just like, "Nah, I don't think I'm going to bother." <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd heard when they they brought him back, they didn't really have any intention of him being an an in ring performer, but you know, it's obviously ended up happening, and I I assume he's pushed for it. I don't think he ever, in fact, even to this day, I'm pretty sure he doesn't want to be retired. Um, I'm sure he still he still wants to be having matches, but what he needs when he's having a match, and even you know where are we? Twenty years ago here, um, I think he needed somebody who could do a fair chunk of the legwork for him. Mm-hmm. Um, the the worst thing, you know, God, to imagine a Ric Flair against Vince McMahon, but you know somebody will probably book it at some point. <laughs> I found it interesting that uh, just in kind of. In relation to what you're saying there, I found it interesting that in comparison to the previous match, which was 100 miles an hour, mm-hmm. uh, move after move, technical moves, high flying, basically what Flair does in this match is chops and punches. Yeah. Uh, and I found it pr- pretty much just as engaging yeah. as the first match. I think it, it, it worked as a nice balance because you, you, you've had the fast start. Um, then you've got things paced a little calmer here. Um, I, I do like this Jericho. He's I like a just fantastically cocky, brash, annoying guy, but just so watchable. I mean, he's always had that, you know, charisma about him. Um, and yeah, just, I, I, I just like the character. Um, it, it, it draws me in. Um, and there's enough, you know, Flair's taking bumps. And and there's enough in that um, to to have it be a an engaging match, you know. If it was just the chops and the the punches and the plodding around and things like that, I think it, it'd probably lose its it'd lose something. Right. Um, He's taking the lion's share of the, uh, the 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 offense from Jericho. I would just yeah. Say. Yeah, because um, I mean, the, 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 there's a point the fight goes to the outside. Jericho's removing the padding on the guardrail uh, and and puts Flair uh, onto it and into it. Um, and it's it's quite a while. It's certainly according to my notes before Flair's really getting any offense in mm-hmm. in the match. Um, and Jericho's a good seller as well. Yep. So it's uh, it, you, you then see Flair doing his his strutting, and I think being you know being fair and honest about it. If you're going to see Ric Flair at a match, I think you want to see him doing that. You want to see him doing his walk and doing his chops and doing his woo. Um, that was a poor one, sorry. <laughs> um, 
And, uh, you know, the, 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 you've got some, uh, you know, wrestling moves in there as well. You've got um, Jericho countering a, a suplex attempt to go for the walls. Um, you've got uh, Jericho going for a walls and Flair counting, uh, countering. No, Flair going for the walls. Jericho countering to apply a figure of four. The figure of four. That was an odd spot. I, I like that because they both obviously tried each other's uh, yeah. submission moves. But then... Yeah. Jericho had Flair in the figure four for a long time and Flair's sort of shuffling his way over to the ropes and he looks like he's going to tap he yeah. grabs the rope and then taps yeah I, I put some in I, I suppose that's that's to I don't know buy them another uh, match mm. probably because the, the announcers were really focusing on the did he tap first or did he and you know they slow it right down and show you it um, but what I'd sort of picked up on it was <laughs> the walls the walls is really simple to apply. <laughs> but it looked like Flair was really struggling with that. And but yet he can apply a far more complicated move, absolutely no problem. Yeah. It was it was a bit strange. And I, I get it, you maybe do want that element of story of well, it's not his move, so he might mess it up. He might not quite get it right. But that the walls is one of the simpler moves to apply. <laughs> um yeah, and I, I think, you know, eventually we've got um Flair Flair get get into the ropes. Basically, I think when they slow it right down, they show you he just grabs for some reason the middle rope, even though he could have grabbed the bottom <laughs> rope quite a bit earlier. But does he really? Yeah, that's funny. yeah, yeah. They want to have the drama of him stretching up for it for some reason. Um, and then you've got the uh, the the tap just a second after that's happened. So uh, Jericho's thinking he's he's basically won. Um, Jericho. Being frustrated with the situation, Flair catching him with some chops. The ref ending up with impaired vision. Uh, it's a little bit of somebody's banged into him. Uh, yeah. And then uh, Flair with one of those classically telegraphed low blows. China um, low blow, isn't it? Yeah, they really like to involve the crowd in the setup for that, oh. that one. Um, so the ref doesn't see it, obviously. Um, and then, uh, Flair applying the, the figure of four. Jer I, I love Jericho's selling. He, you know, he's, he's selling the figure of four like it's the most painful thing he's ever been in in his life. Um, and you know, Flair, even as a, a baby face, has always had that sort of dirtiest player in the game, uh, moniker. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, I, I, when I, when I was first, basically, I'd seen the the results before I actually watched, and I, I was thinking, I think I was just checking match times or something like that, and I was thinking, should Flair be going over Jericho here? But the way they've done it, there's no real damage done. Uh, uh, it works. Yeah. I, I want to say that they have a rematch at the next pay per view as well. Yeah, I, I I think that would make sense given what happens in the. In the match, um, but yeah, it's you know it's still legendary Ric Flair. So having a, a couple of match series isn't going to do Jericho any mm. harm, I don't think. Um, but yeah, I just I just enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would because anything uh, probably from certainly from this time onwards with Ric Flair, I'm just a little bit unsure of. Mm -hmm. Do you know what? Do you know what I found uh, quite interesting? Um, this must be to do with the age that we currently are. But Flair looks like an old man. And yeah. I think he's I think they said he's fifty-two. He's not an old man, but he's not a he's not in his peak or anything like that either. Jericho is now the same age as what Flair was then. 
Oh wow! And Jericho doesn't look. It, it looks different. Don't get me wrong, but it doesn't look how Flair looks. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, that's uh, surprising. But yeah, um, maybe I, I don't know. Did Flair always look a little bit old? Um, whereas Jericho, I mean, the only thing that annoys me every time I see Jericho now is I just wish he would get a haircut. Um, you have you have to give up on that. <laughs> there's a there's a certain point in life where I, even if you are a rock star as well as a wrestler, just just give up on it. Cause he he didn't have. There was a few years ago. I remember one of his comebacks. WWE had short hair, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, he's uh, he's been letting that go for a while. Yeah, but I, a good match again. Yeah, a yep. different. I think that's the good thing about it. Um, a different type of match, and also yeah. really really entertaining. Yeah, it's something we can talk about as we go, but like you know the order that they put matches in, mm-hmm. I think is actually it's it's really important because to have that fast paced uh, opener, then slowing it down a bit, and then you know we'll talk about the next match when we get to it, and then it it just feels to me like that the whole show was paced properly, um, yeah. and and the the order of the matches. Like, I, I can't look at the matches and think of a better order to put them in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I think it just worked. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, from this match, we jump to the back and we come to Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman. The next big thing with his agent uh, backstage and um, Heyman's giving him the pep talk. Lesnar, to me, looks ginormous. I don't know if he's bigger than he currently is. I don't know if yeah. it's the lack of cock chest. Perhaps. <laughs> but, uh, it's different. He looks. He looks really different. I mean, he, like facially and stuff. He looks so young yep. here. Twenty-five. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, he's he's huge. Um, and I imagine he probably still is a very similar size now. But uh, yeah, I, I I still remember the first time I saw him. Um, like it was on a a SmackDown or a Raw or something like that that I wasn't watching all the time at the point he came in. Right. Um, and I remember like seeing him on a show and they're like, they still had all these stars that I'd known from when I was watching like every week and every show. But I was like, who, who is that? You know, there's, yeah. And you can see, you know, the story JR tells about Vince saw him across a room or something like that and was like, <laughs> and you, but you can see it because I I see him and think, Jesus, you know, there's he, he stands out from a crowd. Put it that way. Do you think that gif of Vince when he's in his seat? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I know that's from an episode of Raw and Stacey Keebler's dancing on the table, but it could quite easily be when he sees Brock and Sable walk into a room together, <laughs> arm in arm. <laughs> Yeah, it's impressive. I mean, still give me the Stacey Keebler on a table, but it is impressive. It's he's he's got he's got an eye catching look about him. Certainly does. I, I've wrote here in my notes. Whoever decided to put Heyman with Lesnar is a genius. Yeah, I don't know absolutely. what what is about it. It just works perfectly. Because I I'm, I haven't watched much uh, current product, but I'm led to believe Lesnar's doing okay now. You know, he's he's not had Heyman, and he's it's quite very. In the little bits I saw up to uh, leading up to WrestleMania, it's pretty entertaining. It uh-huh. looks like he's um, just kind of having a bit of fun. 
But I've got I've got a feeling at at this point and at this time it wouldn't have gone that way. Uh-huh. You know, he's I assume he's he's relaxed into who he is yes. now and all that. Um, whereas at, at this point, and it's not just having the mouthpiece; it's the right mouthpiece, and it's spot on. Um, I mean, I know when he was going through, was it OVW? It was at the time yep. the developmental. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Heyman had some involvement there, and he's probably not. Between the invasion angle ending and Lesnar being brought up, he's probably not had an on-screen role until Lesnar's arrived, I would have thought. I th- think he was probably away for a little while, but it's the, it's just a perfect combination. It really is. Brilliant. Um, so we've got them backstage, he's hyping them up, all that sort of stuff, and then we come to our next match, which the premise of which I want to say is around and it seemed to be about who's the bigger sex symbol they, did, they didn't really give us too much information but do you know what, they didn't really care yeah. because again, it's a really good match so we've got Eddie Guerrero, Latino Heat in the uh, versus Edge Yep. Um, and I think I want to say Edge no, I was going to say Edge is our current King of the Ring but Lesnar is um, yeah, that's right, I think point. I think Edge had won the one before. The year, the year earlier. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed this match. And um, I've always preferred heel Edge. I think that's the... See, when he's babyface Edge, I feel like he's he's fine. And, you know, the crowd are, I think, pretty with him. They're certainly anti-Eddie through this. There were a lot of signs that I saw that I was thinking... Well, you know, he has smelly feet. <laughs> I like that one. I saw that one. I just saw something really basic that just said "Deport Eddie," um, <laughs> and he's, he's he's he was really good at being a heel, even when oh, he was a baby aye. face. He was a heel. Aye, um, exactly. And in this matchup, yeah, you do want Edge to be the baby face. I just always think every time I see Edge, I, I, I prefer him as a heel. Um, it's just a bit meh. Yeah, he's he's a, he's a good worker. He's a very skilled worker in the ring. Um, but it, it, he doesn't, as a baby face, I never quite feel like the charisma, um, mm. is, is quite there. Um, a poor man's Christian, you might want to say. Oh, well, that, I mean, I say that about everyone. Fair. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, and as a team, when they were like, you know, doing their, what was it, five second poses and mm. stuff like that, that, that all worked and that was fine. And there was a sort of goofy comedy side to it. Yeah. Um, but here, I don't know. I don't think he's really quite found a character yet. Hundred uh, percent. No pun intended, Adam. But he's lacking a bit of edge, <laughs> if you will. That's oh. terrible. That's really bad. Did, it, it was. It, was it, it genuinely was, is though. He's lacking something, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. It was. Was that in your notes? No, it wasn't. <laughs> Good. That's, that's, pre-prepared. That's... Been wanting to rip that one out for a while, <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't. It doesn't take away from how good an actual match it is, which, no, uh, which is, uh, I suppose, the main thing here. Because matches we're trying to catch up on storyline as we're going. Um, we we didn't like you say there wasn't an awful lot about this. They they mention a few times as they're going through that Eddie is so jealous of Edge, um, and that that just being a, a thing uh, without going into to too much backstory about it but mm. um, they're both uh, Eddie Guerrero is such a good worker and I think this every time I watch his matches because he, he can do everything 
Um, he's really good at selling. He's so good at the sneaky heel things. Um, and even just the, the looks, mm-hmm. like he'll, he'll do something, then give the crowd a look. And it's, um, it's the kind of thing I, I don't know, you don't see an awful lot of people doing nowadays. Aye. It's really believable. Like he mm-hmm. gen- genuinely does not, he, he can't stand the crowd. That, that's yeah. what his face is kind of like. Uh, yeah. And yeah. The, the way that he methodically goes about, um, deconstructing Edge's shoulder here is just, like yeah. proper brilliant technical wrestling, um, mm-hmm. and we were waxing lyrical about Bret Hart last time, and like that's a sort of sort of wrestling performance. I find that you you got here, Fede Guerrero was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, same. I I really liked it. I liked the fact that you know as soon as that weakness is shown and exposed, he goes after it, and the logic to it. I mean, Edge wants to hit a spear. So Eddie's trying to focus on the shoulder mm. and the arm, mm. take it out, take it out of commission. Um, and you've got actually heel Eddie. He's, he is a heel and there's the little things, but he's for quite a chunk of this match, just clean out wrestling edge. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, your, your heel doesn't have to be cutting every corner at every possible opportunity. Not, not when they can work as believably and as well as somebody like Eddie Guerrero can. Yeah. And he's not doing the other, the other thing is he's not doing flashy moves. He's yeah. He's just like trying to take his opponent apart, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, apart from I say that, but the absolute highlight of this match for me is he hits a frog. He hits him. He hits his arm with the frog splash. Yes. The shoulder and arm that he's been working on. Yeah. Um, for the majority of this match, you think he's going to? It, it it looks. Strange because Edge is in quite a peculiar position. You think he's not going to try and hit a frog splash when he's almost getting up? Yeah, yeah. He hits the shoulder. It's amazing. I've never seen that before. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was good. There, there's really nice moves in this, and you've got Edge trying to perform some offense, and it's little comebacks, and he'll get a few moves going mm-hmm. before either the shoulder will give out or Eddie will attack it and and get the advantage again. Um, which again, just good logical wrestling. There's a few spots I like. There's like Edge running in for a spear and Eddie hitting him with a drop kick. Oh, um, yeah, I just everything looked really smooth. Um, and But not in a you know, sometimes it looks too smooth. Choreographed. Uh, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. It, it looked real enough, but you know, just like they, again the chemistry was there. They just meshed well together in the match. Um, we've got Eddie going for a, a frog splash edge, getting the knees up. And again, you know, it's, it's just well executed. It looks good. Um, what's it? Is Edge's DDKT called the Education? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't like that. And I don't like Edgeomatic. <laughs> so they, they, they do, the, the announcers do uh, a, a job of trying to sell the Education DDT as usually it's a, it's a winning move. Mm-hmm. Um, cause he, he hits it, it's a two count and they're, they're talking about, you know, you never see anyone kick out of that. He kicks out the Education. <laughs> now, okay. given that I hadn't really heard of the Education, <laughs> I'm not sure how over it, but at least they're trying. They're trying to sell it as a big thing. Um, I, I, I love the way, uh, I think, uh, Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit are my favourites at, at doing these snap suplexes. Amazing. Just think they always look great when they do them. Yep. Uh, and uh, he's he's got a bridge on one for a, a two count. Um, 
you've got uh, him going up for to to do another frog splash, but Edge gets up, catches him on the turnbuckle. Um, Ed, Eddie knocking Edge down from the ropes with headbutts to the shoulder again. It just felt real. How do you react in that situation? Yeah. Um, that's where I think he goes for the frog splash on the the arm mm-hmm. and shoulder. Um, and uh, what have I got here? Eddie has Edge. Eddie has, um, my notes don't make any sense here, but never mind. Something else about going on the turnbuckle, but Edge throws him down. Um, and then Edge hitting a, a spear as they're running the ropes for the win. Yeah. Um, I uh, don't know uh, if like, they were. Sorry, go on. I don't know if they were. Um, no, you get these finishing moves out of nowhere. I suppose uh-huh. it's become the, the RKO has become the big one, but I always liked the finishing move where it could just be hit all of a sudden. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I like in that there's a pattern within this uh, pay-per-view. I think you get one, I want to say the whole time you get one finishing move kicked out of the whole pay-per-view. Oh, nice. Um, I like that, that Edge of Spear comes out of nowhere, but it's still enough to finish it. He's, yeah. The only thing I didn't know was, I, I've written down here that he uses the uninjured shoulder for the spear, but I didn't know if that was actually right or not. Okay. Um, but that would that would have been nice. If yeah. that was the case. Yeah, I don't know for sure. I mean, given how logically they played everything, I think you're probably right. I hope you're right, because it yeah, would just round it off nicely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, uh, a really, really good match. You're, um, yep. what are we, three for three? Yeah. yeah. Uh, we go backstage with the coach. Um, he is with the anti-Americans, and at this stage, that is Landstorm, Christian, and Test. And they cut a kind of lazy anti-American promo, which is like a bit poor man's Heart Foundation 97. <laughs> is that unfair? No, it's not good. It's probably, aside from the Bischoff and Stephanie things, it might be the worst thing on the show. Um, I, I, like, I think Lance Storm and Christian can talk, definitely. Uh-huh. They, they clearly can. I really like Lance Storm. Test, yep. maybe just stick to saying... America sucks, but like the other two are good talkers. Yeah, um, but it just fe- it feels like they decided they wanted to have an anti-American gimmick. Fine. Yeah, but they didn't put any more thought into it. The un-Americans, it's just, just yeah, it's it, it does it feels I don't know lazy and rushed or thrown together. Aye, aye, totally. Yeah, and um, you know the, as you say, Christian and Landstorm. Good workers, um, kind of. I've I always viewed Christian as a good all rounder. I think he can do a bit of everything. Um, Lance Storm's really good in the ring, um, mm-hmm. and I I quite liked his. You know, if I can be serious for a moment, stuff. Um, I, I I don't remember ever really hearing Tess deliver any promos, but that's fine. He's the big guy standing in the back. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I didn't feel. I feel like the announcers are then trying to sell these uh, un-Americans as, you know, what is it JR said? You met you messaged Who me something. Who are these un-Americans? What do they want? <laughs> what is their motive? They're called I mean, the un-Americans, JR. What the fuck do you think their motive is? And who are they? Well, it's, uh, it's, it's Christian, it's guys Storm and, and Test. <laughs> what is he on about <laughs> Yeah, and they've obviously been, I don't know, instructed or told, you have to be furious that this is happening because even the heel announcer, which is Jerry Lawler, <laughs> is against the un-Americans. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, 
he's very negative about everything to do with him. And you know, I, I didn't hate the match. I thought the match was fine. But it, it's everything around it and, and the gimmick and all that. It just felt a bit rubbish it to did. me. It did. And I, I think we've spoke about them before. I think William Regal must join them at some point as well. Yeah. Um, it's just it de- definitely I think you've hit the nail on the head it feels a bit rushed yeah um, and there, there's probably potential for something there but and I, fe- I felt the same about the match it was alright um, yeah nothing yeah. says American like gold dust and Booker T why Why did they say that that doesn't mean anything <laughs> it's not like especially the gold dust character <laughs> it's you've, you've never really looked and thought that's American, you know. It's... <laughs> Nothing says American like an androgynous gentleman with gold face paint. Uh, yeah, it's just weird, and I, I like. I've, I've always um, thought Gold Dust was a, a decent worker. You know, mm-hmm. um, you, you get very caught up in the character and all that at times, but you know, he's he's good in the ring. Um, Booker T, I've I've always liked, um, and. If if you just said it's these guys against these guys in the match, I would have thought that's fine. I like Christian. I like I, I like all the performers in this match. Uh, it actually made me think as I was watching through it. Do you remember when um, they did the the group of the Heart Foundation and they were Brett started running down America, mm-hmm. but it. I don't know, it came across as really genuine, mm-hmm. and he was sick of the fans, um, and at the time. They were cheering for anti-heroes and there was a logic to all of it. Everything he was saying. And that almost made this seem worse because right. there's a, nothing behind this. Yeah, it's like a caricature of it. Yeah. Um, so it's it's the kind of story that can be done well. It just needs, I don't know, more thought. Um, uh, as soon as I saw... I don't remember this at all, and I don't even remember watching this show. I, I've definitely watched it because I can remember watching Rock Brock. But mm-hmm. as soon as I saw the three of them being interviewed <laughs> by a coach, and then Lance Storm and Christian came out themselves, I should have just fast forwarded <laughs> to when Test came out and gave the big boot because that was obviously what the finish was going to be. Yeah, that that, that was pretty clear. <laughs> um, there's there's some okay stuff early on in the match. There's uh, you've got Christian and Storm. Um, you know, cutting off the ring, basically, and uh, just some logic. They they have gold dust isolated. He can't get to Booker T, and that's just you know your really basic tag team wrestling. Yeah. Um, the you've got a, a spot where uh, gold dust does make the tag, but they've distracted the ref. He doesn't see it. Um, so he he has to stay in the ring. Booker T's getting more and more annoyed on the outside. Um, they, they, they do they do do a really good job of building it up to like a a really hot tag. Yeah, because uh, there's there's another spot not long after where Goldust's getting close and close, and Storm runs round and pulls Booker pulls T off, off the apron. And uh, constant ref distractions, and and then they get they get greedy and go for a concerto, um, but they they miss, and uh, then you've got Gold Dust finally. Oh, he gets a, I think a double clothesline makes the hot tag. Um, you've got Booker T coming in, cleaning house. He hits his big missile drop kick, which I always liked as a move. Thought it's a good looking move. Yeah, same. Um, and then you've got. Gold Dust taking out Lance Storm on the outside. Booker T's hit a scissor kick on Christian and Storm simultaneously. That was um, good. I like yeah, that. you've got the the Spinner Rooney 
uh, but all the while the, the ref's down in the corner so you, you kind of know as you're watching this he's, he's not going to be able to get the pinfall here and then uh, yeah there's the inevitable test run in big boot and then uh, my man Christian getting the pin nice on American yeah. routine yeah much to JR's yeah. annoyance oh I've seen another thing I didn't like are we going straight to it? Are we going to WWE New York? No? Oh, no. Yeah, we can. Um, this, uh, I can't even remember the people's names. Come but... on. But Jamie <sighs> Noble. Now that's Australian. <laughs> that is nothing like his accent. <laughs> Woo! What was it? Come on, baby! No, that's not either. What, what was her name? Nadia. That, yeah, that's it. She was a firecracker. She's a terrifying woman. <laughs> What was the competition to see who she would who she would snog? Yeah, two random and then guys. She, yeah, and then she's just all over both of them, and he's cheering it on. And Come it's, on, baby! Uh, I can't do his <laughs> accent. I think it's okay. I mean, yeah, I, I think you can. I, I don't think you'll ever have to do it again. Fair. Um, I, I used to quite like them. I liked that they had. I, I want to say he was light heavyweight or cruiserweight yeah, champion. Yeah, think that's or right. Yeah, and he's quite a good technical wrestler. Yeah, he was. He was a good a good worker. And then I remember, I'm sure there was a skit. Where? A skit? Yeah, I'll go with skit. Huh? Where he is with her at like the Playboy Mansion trying to get her like a job in the Playboy Mansion. It's just really weird. She, I want to say she was on like, she, she was on Tough Enough or something like that. Okay. So I, I bet, you know, he was definitely a decent worker. I remember that being a thing. Um, I just remember thinking at times, can we uh, just let him wrestle for a while? Mm. You know, just calm it all down, let him have a match, because I'm sure it seemed like he was never actually in matches for a while. Poor Jamie. Well, he seemed like he was enjoying himself. Yeah. I think he maybe may be an agent these days. Okay. He'll have been having a laugh anyway. I'm sure it was uh, it was fun to be part of. And I suppose if you're appearing on the shows, you're getting paid. There so, yeah. yeah. So our next match is... Uh, Interbrand, yes, be, that an interbrand match. We've got the intercontinental title belt on the line. You wouldn't know it though because it's blurred out for some bizarre reason. Yeah, <laughs> I take Why? it. I had w- this is like right smack bang in the get the F out. Okay, era. I don't know if yeah. it's they maybe just in to replace the belt. Okay, so weird. I was going to ask about that just in case you knew because it's it's quite obvious um, every time it's in shot mm. it's, uh, it's blurred so we've got okay. Benoit representing Smackdown Raw Raw yep and RVD on RVD Smackdown RVD representing Smackdown no and... yes uh, yes <laughs> the thing is I think I think I maybe read that uh, Benoit and Guerrero moved over they'd been on Raw and they'd moved over to Smackdown or something like that okay anyway yeah. I th- yeah. so I was kind of looking forward to this one and I, I did enjoy it, but I do have a little bit of a quibble with the fact that Edge and Eddie Guerrero was a technical match that sort of focused on the shoulder and then Benoit went and did the same thing in this match. Yeah, I wonder. It always makes me wonder about, um, see how every match, I don't know how it was then. I, I hear how it is now. Whereas you've maybe got like, say, four agents working a show and the matches get split up and sometimes there's two on a match and, you know, things like that. And it made me wonder if, you know, one agent has no idea what's happening in another match 
Um, yeah. And he's like, yeah, yeah, go for it. Go for the shoulder. Go for it. And, you know, there's no awareness that I, I, I was imagining are the two of these guys watching in the back saying, shit, as that earlier match is going on. that we're about to do. Yeah. Um, and are they thinking, well, we don't have time to change everything. So, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Because uh, you do. And the thing is, in isolation, I think this is this is a good match, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I I did agree and I noted it that there's there's just a, a few too many similarities in the story of the match, um, not the storyline, just the the things that are taking place throughout the match. Yeah. Um, just a, as an aside, do you think that um, I was I was thinking about their theme songs? Both of these theme songs are cracking. I thought <laughs> um, yeah. that's a general theme throughout this uh, pay per view. Do you think the title forcible entry would fly these days? No. <laughs> yeah, you can't be. You, no, it's that's yeah, it's too much. <laughs> did, did, did you did you purchase the forcible entry? Album? I didn't. What? I didn't. Yeah, I I was never really one for. Um, I remember they were they started releasing albums, and there ended up being loads of them. I'm sure they did. But um, yeah, I never I never really got into. To buying them, um, yeah, I, I could. Pro- I bet I could go back and just listen to them all now. That'd be pretty cool. Well, on Spotify, they only have a few of the songs from Forcible Entry available. Really? Was quite. I was quite perturbed last night. Tell you that, mm. Adam. Yeah. Oh no. Anyway, it's anyway. disappointing. I don't want to have to go on like Apple Music and buy them. Uh, that you don't. Yeah. Like, n- <laughs> nobody's no. Don't do that. It's YouTube. <laughs> uh, what what's your thoughts on RVD generally? Um, so I like him, but I find him at times. I I couldn't sit and watch multiple RVD matches. You'd be because, watching the same match over and over, probably. Yes, and that's that's the biggest issue I have with him. I think you know. I'm watching this match. I don't think I'd watch one of his matches for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy it. I think, you know, athletically, he's really impressive. Yeah, undeniable, eh? Um, and I, I like a match where he's in with a good worker. So he's, uh, you know, Ben was one of the best workers there was. Um, and I think that they, they mesh together pretty well in terms of the physicality and what's going on. I actually put at the start of my notes, this is going to be stiff, uh, this match. Um, cause <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think either of these guys really held back. Um, but I I enjoyed it. But I don't always enjoy his matches. I, I do find it pretty repetitive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I, I don't know. I would never be in a position where I just watched lots of his matches back to back. I suppose unless we were rating wrestlers for some reason again. But we've already done that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wasn't even in the in the conversation. Um, but yeah, I. I I, I get it. I, I know some people, some fans are a little bit. I think his his style's different, and they play up to that. That it's um, a slightly different style to his opponents, but his his style's pretty much always the same. Mm-hmm. I think that he changed his style when he went from ECW to WWF, WWE. Um, I think that's probably. Uh, I think I think that was probably on purpose. I think he was probably either coached into doing it. That mm-hmm. way, but I just felt I really liked him in ECW. And don't get me wrong, I, I'm the same as you. I enjoy watching him on a pay per view, but I just felt his character was a bit like I'm trying to think the best way to describe it. It's just kind of like 
there's a bit of sheen taken off of his character or something. I don't know if it tried to make yeah. if they're trying to present him more mainstream or something. I can't really put my finger on it, but it just felt like a sort of watered down version of his character yeah. for ECW and his, his move set as well. I know what you mean because I, I do think the move set. I think some someone in WWE uh, will have looked and thought, well. You can't do that. You can't do that, and you can't do that. You know, there the will have been things they'll just said where you're not doing those things on our shows. Um, the character side. I mean, what what I liked seeing ECW when he was the you know brash arrogant. It didn't really matter whether he was a heel or a babyface. He was kind of the same regardless. But he was always pitching himself as bigger than the company. Yeah, I was just going to say, kind of full of himself. Yeah, and you know, what do you call himself, Mister Monday Night and stuff like that, and and he he can't really do that once he gets to WWE, mm-hmm. um, because that's what he was always effectively threatening is you know I'll just go, Aye. I'll just go and get a better job, and it really worked in ECW because mm-hmm. he he became again regardless of babyface or heel he became one of the main guys and the crowd I always got the impression the crowd were kind of with him regardless of the story mm-hmm. in ECW yeah. Um, whereas yeah here I do definitely think they never quite hit on the right character because they, they, they tried to push like a I don't know stoner dude type thing yeah and I, I mean apparently he, he, he liked his pot and all that but <laughs> there just should have been a lot more to it than that and it, there never really was Nah, I want to say he got involved in a weird sort of they, they get in a sort of love triangle type thing with Stephanie and Triple H yeah. for a little while Aye, I, I think there's better ways of using them um, yeah. but like getting back to this match I loved everything I pretty much loved everything that Benoit did um, I've got a lot of notes here about Benoit. Everything that he does is deliberate. Yeah. Um, he. I've also written here that a lot of RVD's moves could be construed as being sort of flippy shit, if you will. But I sometimes yeah. find, or, or I sometimes find, if you're watching wrestling today, it's choreographed flippy shit. Whereas this felt like it was for a reason a lot of the time. He's trying to do damage. Um, rather yeah. than try to do a cool move, apart from that move where he did a cartwheel, I was just like, "That's <laughs> you don't get momentum off a cartwheel <laughs> unless you're falling on your arse." Yeah, you're going to slow all your all your momentum. Yeah, I, I've I've got some notes like I've I've written things like um, uh, Benoit backbreaker looks really sore. He was such a good worker, made everything look so believable, mm-hmm. um, and the. Uh, and I've written this a couple of times, or s- similar to this a couple of times. Benoit can go really fast-paced, but it still feels like everything he does matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, it's, it's probably one of my complaints about nowadays is that it's one move, next move, next move, next move uh, when it's fast-paced. Whereas uh, Benoit was often pretty, you know, uh, pretty fast-paced in that sense, but it, it still felt like everything he did counted in some way. Yep. Um, which even, I, even just knocking a guy down and then throwing an elbow yeah. on the floor was with uh, with a vengeance. Was, was You know, it was just fully aggressive. Whereas yeah. just, uh, I get what you're saying, like they'll bounce up and they'll hit them down, they'll bounce up and they'll bounce up mm-hmm. and then they'll reverse it. Aye, I'm, I'm with you. Um, yeah, we've got, um, I, I think my, my notes quite quite quickly turned to 
Benoit's targeting the arm and shoulder. <laughs> um, and then uh, just some of the moves that take place after that. And again, you know, it's it's not to say it makes it a bad match. It just felt a little bit like we've seen this. Um, and I suppose that I, I'm guessing that kind of thing. That's maybe, I think you filled me in on this a bit. Um, see, when AEW started, when uh, it was a little bit more of a free-for-all before uh, Tony Khan took control, if you like, uh, of what was actually going on in the product, um, that you would end up with the risk of repetitive things in matches, um, yes. repetitive things in consecutive matches, uh-huh. and that became what they saw, or certainly what Tony Khan saw, as a big issue. Um, and you can see how it would just based on on this because I didn't see whatever it was that that made that brought them to that decision in AEW, but I can see that it takes a little bit of shine off this match the fact that we we've seen that kind of thing does, uh, a couple of matches earlier. Yeah. yeah, I want to say it was Jer- a Jericho thing. Jericho had addressed that. Yeah, um, in AEW, aye, it definitely does. Like in saying that, um, can we talk about the? the phase of three Northern Light suplexes whilst he's still holding his shoulder in a hammerlock. Yes. <laughs> Never seen that before in my life. Yeah. That was incredible. Yeah, I, that I, was pretty awesome. It was amazing. I don't know if that's all part of like RVD's agility as well, probably. Yeah. Um, but just the the invention of doing something like that is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I could see um, matches we maybe find him a little bit repetitive RVD. I bet someone like Benoit would love working with him. Because he'd just be thinking anything I want that guy's body to do, he, he'll be able to make it happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and there's there's some really impressive sequences of moves. Um, I kind of, you get the impression watching it, you know, Benoit's skill set uh, is so, so high. Um, I think RVD's following the lead very much, but it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, th- things look good um, like you said, you mentioned the some of the, the RVD stuff, but the, the vast majority of it looks good. Um, and uh, I think when when he's doing it, when he's all into doing it, RVD's a pretty good seller as well. Yeah. Um, I think he he sort of remembers, you know, I, sh- <laughs> I should be I should be selling this, I should be hobbling, whatever it is, you know. Um, which again. Some performers you don't really see it from. You see the big move that attacks something, then they're just fine. Um, but yeah, I thought thought there was some decent selling in the match. Benoit always sells well, but mm-hmm. basically with everything that that happens in the match, he's, he's such a good performer. I, I think we've maybe mentioned this before, but I'd always wondered in that sort of period after after what happened with uh, him and his family whether I, I'd be able to separate, you know. Uh, to be able to watch and enjoy RVD ma- uh, yeah. Benoit matches, but um, he's just so good. He's so good at what he does. Yeah, it's funny. I think, I think as time goes on, and I think when we go back and watch stuff, I almost get a, a better appreciation for him now than I think I did when I was watching him. Um, mm. And that's obviously separating the man from from everything he did, and and purely looking at. Um, is wrestling in the ring, but it's just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a real shame, you know. Like if you if you took how Kurt Angle spoke on the microphone and, and gave that to Ben, why it'd been the you know it'd been the best ever. Um, yeah, before and, he, before he did what he did, obviously. 
and I know some of the like Angle speaks about him as you know he's I, th- I think either favourite or right up there with favourite ever opponents. Oh really? Um, and I know he was somebody Bret Hart was desperate to work with, and they did I think a little bit in WCW. Um, and it's it's one of them where he uh, you know in ring he's he's at that level. You know we we talked about um, just as we watch through things how impressed we are with Bret Hart and his ability to execute a match yep. and uh, I, him very much being the certainly in the category of the top couple of best ever in-ring performers but Benoit was he's right up there definitely yeah there's um there's a few a few nice matches where you've got uh, a few nice uh, sequences um where you've got a, a suplex from the top turnbuckle uh, by Benoit, but RVD turns in midair. Yeah. To, to, that, that's, I think, the finishing sequence. That's actually. right. I really like that. That yeah. looks agony to take. I'm sure it's no. I'm sure they control it well and all that, but it looks it. Mm-hmm. I think the the only thing I did when I watch Benoit matches, see when he goes for the flying head, but that is still one when I can, I'm kind of like, oh. uh, yeah. yeah, or anything where he took a chair shot or anything like that. Same. <laughs> yeah. The finish though, the finish of this match is like for all we're saying about the sort of isolation of the shoulder and all that, the finish of this match is brilliant. You've described the superplex into the reversal and then RVD just hits an absolutely phenomenal five star frog splash where mm-hmm. he changes direction in midair. Yeah. It's just amazing. And I always loved it when he did the change of direction in midair. It just it adds something to it. And yep. you know, it's it's almost like showy for showy's sake because you know the guy can position himself for it to be a really straightforward one, but it just it adds something to it. I've got a lot of time for that. I like that they showed in slow motion and all that as well. Yeah. Um, so there we go. RVD walks away with Intercontinental Championship. Stephanie was... looks at Bischoff's crotch and <laughs>, laughs. Yeah, it was a it was a popular win with the crowd. I noticed um, they they popped for the RVD win because like I, I I couldn't even tell you whether Benoit was babyface or heel or somewhere in between just, at just this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but they they popped for RVD. I think he was always pretty popular with a live crowd, but yeah. uh, it was it was quite a reaction. Nice. So next, this is where we got the um, the JR. Who are these un-Americans? <laughs> um, we've got a bit of background about the un-Americans. Before I, I I don't really think we've got any background to why Undertaker and Test were fighting no. apart from the Undertaker is American. And yeah, he's also a badass. The the, <laughs> the only thing see how we praise the sort of structure of this uh show in general. Don't only don't th- start disparaging the testicles. Oh no, no, I'm not gonna. I'm oh, not gonna goodness. it's it's not to do with this actual match. It's more the fact that it felt like there was more an American's background before this match, which was the second match mm, on the card featuring the Un-Americans, which, I don't know, it just seemed a bit strange. Now, Undertaker's obviously a huge draw, and going up against him is is uh, like putting a spotlight on, on Test. Mm, um, I would have said the other way about, but okay. <laughs> I forgot you were a... A, ma- a massive testicle? <laughs> a swollen testicle, if you will. But yeah, it, it, I just found that a little bit strange, but, you know, that's, that is what it is. Um, so yeah, are, are, you, are you wanting to, to talk about your, 
one of your favourites of all time? Uh, the only I don't have a lot of notes on this. I was too engrossed, <laughs> but the, the only thing that I really uh, have a note here is that I, I felt quite sickened watching this match. That looking back on Mark Calloway's um, TED Talk thing that he did at the Hall of Fame, I don't think he mentioned <laughs> Test putting him uh, over, uh, putting him on the map. Essentially, who was he up until this point? Yeah, and that's that's a bigger issue than him not mentioning Mick Foley, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Just because Tess no got a daughter on Twitter shouting about Undertaker no mentioning him doesn't mean that it's no important. <laughs> the testicles are raging. I've got, <laughs> uh, I've, got I've got a few notes for this. Can, In can, the, can, before you get the technicalities of the match, can I just mention something else that, that GR says? Yep. So he says that Undertaker is a form. No, I think it was maybe King. One of them says that Undertaker is a former street fighter. Right? Uh-huh. Like, surely that went against him <laughs> on his application to become a mortician. <laughs> uh, he, he wasn't a mortician. It's, right. it's Paul, Paul Bearer was the mortician. It's, it's fine. Undertaker was just a dead guy. He's, he's, he's... Hold on. He's called the Undertaker. Yeah, but that's you know, he's he's a dead guy. Okay. Anyway, go on. <laughs> so yeah, because some uh, background on the Americans, uh, Undertaker. I kind of, uh, I don't think I'd watched a show for a while where he was in the American Badass gimmick. Right. Um, so you get the music and all that, and the motorbike entrance and all all that kind of thing. Um, it's a big man match. You know, yep. both uh, both pretty big guys. I, I felt like they actually give gave Test quite a lot of this match. Mm-hmm. He's he's got a lot of offense. He probably dominates about I don't know seventy five percent of the match. Yeah, yeah. Um, they've got him going toe to toe with Undertaker. Um, I couldn't think at this point where uh, I couldn't think when Test and Albert had been. Um, or whether that was still to come, or whether that had been a few years before. I think that I think that was around about two thousand. So okay. at this point, Test is coming off being in the Alliance, right. and okay. I don't know if you remember Survivor Series two thousand and one. Obviously, I am a, a historian when it comes to Test. I don't know why I know all this. <laughs> uh, Survivor Series two thousand and one, he won a battle royal, which meant even if WCW lost, he would have kept his job. Okay. Do you remember that? Yes, no? that's right. I do remember that. So, yeah. like, somebody somewhere obviously thinks something of him, and then they've, he's, they've put him with uh, Landstorm and Christian. Yeah. I, I, and I I can still see, like, watching this match, and yeah, he loses this match, but I, I still watch and think that they've got something in mind for him. There's This is nowhere near a burial. No, no, you know? no I agree. Uh, He's he's kept looking pretty strong. He loses the match, even with uh, Christian and Landstorm running down. All they basically do is run down both catcher choke slam, and then uh, that's about it for them. Uh, and Tess gets the the big boot for uh, a two count. Yeah. Um, Tess brings the chair into the ring. That uh, Jobsworth referee tries to grab it. Who's uh, it? Jack Doan. <laughs> I think it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, then the Undertaker does a, a big kick. The, the chair flies into Tess's face. Tombstone for the pin win. But yeah, it, it, I still came out of it thinking, you know, 
test. They can still go somewhere with test here. I have mm. no idea where they went with no, test. No, me neither. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I don't. Yeah. So Taker grabs the American flag and flies it high because he is American. Yeah. And a badass. Yeah. And a dead man walking, according to his music. Yeah. And a street that. fighter. Allegedly. And, um, not a mortician, though. Yeah, just a dead guy. Dead guy. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, I, I enjoyed this, actually. I, I yeah. It was a good big man match, like you say. It was probably the other one on the card that I was looking at thinking, hmm. But I thought it was done in an absolutely fine way. I, I liked that he wasn't buried because, you know, why bury him? It wouldn't have been necessary. Um, and I would have come out of it thinking, you can still go somewhere with him. Undertaker gets the, the, the crowd friendly win. Yeah, that's all, all absolutely fine. Right, Adam. Right. It's time to get serious. Okay. We get an amazing build-up package. Yeah. Going through the years, starting around about 1997, where we see the, the relationship that has been built between Hunter Hearst Helmsley, easy for me to say, and Shawn Michaels. Uh, we see them in their DX years, all the way through to Shawn retire in 1998 and coming back. We see Triple H turning on him on Raw. And what looked like quite a fun storyline where someone attacked Michaels and it turned out that it was in fact Triple H, even though he was feigning um, sympathy for him and he was going to find out who did it. They did yep. the classic enhance, enhance thing that you get in the Jason Bourne films and it <laughs> turned out it was Triple H on the CCTV that attacked him. Yeah, And I love this storyline, this whole like, you left, I'm the man now, you need me. You used me to stay at the top. Yeah. It's amazing. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, really well done. Just out of that, like, when I'm watching it, because, you know, you sort of know, or at least I think we both knew going into this, that they they were really close. Michaels has obviously had his issues at the point when he's uh, dropped the belt to Stone Cold and, and disappeared. And then... Um, and I've seen it in some documentary I heard it somewhere about the fact that Triple H knew that the day after, the, the raw after he had to go out and take control mm -hmm. and that involved to, to a little extent burying Michaels mm -hmm. um, and apparently there was a little bit of heat about that you know, right. Michaels is basically thinking I'm never going to wrestle again and he's turned on the telly to see his <laughs> basically his, his best pal burying him mm -hmm. to some extent uh, and becoming the man and becoming huge and having this, where are we? If we're in 2002, he's probably been near the top of the card for, what, three years, something like that. Yep. But he's basically been on a five-year, you know, trip towards the top anyway. Um, but it, to, to put it in a package and have a, like a, a logical Triple H, we were never friends. I used you to get to the top, but you used me as well mm -hmm. to stay at the top. Mm -hmm. And it's that thing of a heel doesn't think he's a heel. A heel can justify what he's doing. I love that. Um, and I, I just thought that it, it played so well into a, a really natural story of him coming back. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost, it almost looks like perfect long-term storytelling. Mm -hmm. If he hadn't been out for four years and had been out a year or something like that. And that genuinely yeah. does though. So. Yeah, it, it does. It's beautiful. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, and I couldn't believe like I was I was doing the mastic. Was it really four years he missed? Because that, I mean, I, we'll talk about some of it as the match is going, but loads of back surgeries, um, and you know, I I hurt my back about two weeks ago, and I can just about now sit normally, and it's like some of the stuff he's doing. He's been through surgery, like real surgery, yeah. and he's doing like taking loads of punishment in the match but it's not just this the way he moves his body and he's still doing all the selling that he used to do in the old days and all that oh it's crazy I I, I can when I hurt my back and mine's all only muscular I I, I can't get out of bed in the mornings yeah <laughs> I was I was shocked at this match this is amazing this is I don't know if this was given a five star but it should have been mm-hmm. uh, it's got like the storytelling in it is unbelievable I was I wasn't prepared for the level of violence that was coming. Yeah. And I was so shocked by the level of um punishment that Michaels was taking on his back. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. It's just I don't know, it's like addressing the elephant in the room head on by smashing yeah. it in the face. Yeah. Now, obviously he'll have had, you know, the medical checks and things like that and I'm sure he'll have been working out in a ring for, for a while, seeing what he could do, all that kind of thing. Um, I mean, he could easily have come back in a different way and never been in a ring taking a bump again. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm sure as soon as he was, you know, clean, I'm sure they would have given him basically whatever role he, he would have asked for. Um, and you've got like the, the fact that, um, you know, J- JR, I always think is very good. Oh my God. He's, at- Basically, third man in the ring. Yeah, he's he's so good at telling the story and really ramming home the this is what Michaels has been through. This is the relationship they used to have. Not just you know you see it on an intro package, but he's continuing to tell the story all the way through the match. It's uh, he's he's one of the there's some matches I can't imagine anyone else yeah. announcing on, and that this would be one of them. The, the way. I think the way that he behaves, Jr. Um, in this match, the way that he's so against Triple H, like like mm-hmm. taken aback by Triple H. You've got the way that Errol Hebner's um, reacting to what Triple H is doing. It all just tells all the same story. It's all part of the same story, yeah. and it just weaves together beautifully. And uh, I like the fact you know they start the match, and you've had the story, you've had the backstory. This is a fight, mm-hmm. so we've seen so much wrestling on the card already but this is a fight and yeah there's wrestling moves woven through it uh, but all logic tells you this is going to be a fight and it should be but I think it sits really well because so much around it was good technical wrestling aye but, um, uh, totally I, I kind of expected um, a bit of a brawl and, and Shawn Michaels started pulling out the trash cans and I kind mm-hmm. of expected that because I thought he might rely on yeah. chairs, weapons, and and not not actually do very much. But that absolutely wasn't the case at all. Yeah, I I, I I've always hated the trash can spots in, in matches because they just look so flimsy. Yeah. I always look at them and think that's that's not going to do you any damage at all. Um, and I think it's probably my least favourite weapon um, <laughs> through through all weapons matches. We've got you saying that on on tape now. <laughs> Do you have a favourite weapon? Ah, oh, 
Now, I always liked the, uh, although it's brutal, I always liked the baseball bat with barbed wire around it. There you go. Uh, I think I'd maybe go for that. Okay. Good to <laughs> you. Yeah, uh, I'd like a good old-fashioned kendo stick. Oh, nice. Makes a good noise. That, that, yeah, makes a great noise, actually. <laughs> uh, we've we've got, uh, after the, the trash can stuff, I've, I've got notes about Triple H with backbreakers oh my on God. Michaels. And I'm looking at, th- this is this is what I suppose wrestling should be, but I'm, I'm kind of looking and going... <sighs> You know, and it's it's that thing of of thinking that that has to hurt. That You're has almost to sickened hurt. by what he's doing, and that's what they want you to be. That's how they want yeah. you to feel. And, and Jr's making you feel like that as well. But when it it does a few backbreakers, but it's that thing like we were describing with Ben, where it looks like they hurt. Yeah. But then he pulls out a steel chair, and just slams it. His <laughs> sidewalk slams him through it. Yeah. Oh. Unbelievable. We've we've got quite a lot of um I think it's JR says it at a point that um Triple H wants Michaels to end up in a wheelchair. Mm. And it, it's that thing of because of the character Triple H is and because of the build, you're you're fully in this and believing that that is what his desired outcome for this match was. Yeah. And they kinda come back to that a little bit later on with JR's with, brilliantly uh, saying, How can you want that? Yeah. How can you want that for anyone? He's yeah. so good at calling Triple H a son of a bitch as well. <laughs> yeah, he's brilliant at it. Um, and then you, you you start the story because the punishment's there of the the sort of heart of Michaels, who they're they're basically and the announcers again they're selling it as just it's best to just stop now, just stay down, mm. give up, quit. Mm. But he won't. And you know the crowd are building with this. Basically, every time he has some little mini comeback against what's going on, the crowd are popping for it. But then it's kind of taken away from them so quickly. Yeah. Um, ah, just it's just so well done. And and to to kind of turn the tables a little bit, I can't remember what it is that um, that busts open Triple H. But there's something about Triple H. I, I remember it from those matches with Cactus Jack as well, where he's burst open and he's lost a lot of blood and he's doing that kind of airy fairy walking like he yeah. doesn't 100% know where he is. Yeah. It, it, I don't know. It's like perfect selling for me. I love that. Yeah. Is it? Um, I'm trying to think. Is it when he's, Triple H is holding the chair and Michael's hit switching music? That's exactly what it is. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we've got a, a moment where uh, I'm probably jumping around. I'm definitely jumping around <laughs> a bit here because there's there's some moves being executed on the chair. Like when he sets up the chair, when he sits it up and does the backbreaker on it. Um, again, I'm just looking, thinking, oh, oh here's uh, Winston. And then uh, you've got the sidewalk slam on the chair. Michaels just won't stay down. Uh, Triple H setting up the pedigree to do on the chair, but Michaels pulls a, a low blow out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and Triple H has a chair. Yeah, that's where he approaches Michaels, the switch in music. Triple H now covered in blood. They're both covered in blood. Um, and you've got uh, Shawn Michaels doing the, what do they call it, a nip up. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm looking thinking... I mean, I can't imagine, even when I was, I don't know, six years old, being able to execute something like that. And this this guy's had back surgery, um, and he, he manages to do it. It's just mind-blowing oh, My to God, me. the crowd are going absolutely wild for that. The, yeah. the, the crowd are in this match. There's nobody checking their phones, that's for sure. Yeah, um, absolutely. There's yeah. a point where they're on the outside. Michaels does a brilliant thing. <laughs> he takes the... 
you know, the, the ring steps are split into two, so he takes the top bit off. Yeah. And he has Triple H sort of facing them. He takes off in the opposite direction, runs all the way around the ring, then bulldogs him yeah. onto the steps. Never seen that done before. I absolutely love that. Yeah. Once he's done that, he comes walking along the side and he has a look under the, the ring and I think he maybe looks up at the fans and sort of has a bit of a, a snigger uh-huh. and then pulls the ladder out and the fans just go absolutely mental. Yeah, there's 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 a point where um, so quite a few weapons have got involved. We've had a chair for a while, but there is a point um, where Triple H has, has gone out looking for the sledgehammer and he's brought it in the ring, but he's never actually been able to use it. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of sitting ominously in the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the there's other weapons getting involved. I'm pretty sure there's a table uh, gets brought in. There's a ladder gets brought in and, and set up in the corner which uh, Shawn Michaels does uh, an elbow drop off Um, and yeah so it just feels like it's building and building and building but it's probably the first point where there's been like a period of offence for Michaels and it seems like he's on top Um, and the I'm trying to look and think when they they actually go towards a a finishing sequence So, Um, so we get we get Triple H put on the table on the outside. Yeah. Um, Michaels goes up to the top and he makes a sort of run his finger around his round his head sort of thing as if to say I'm off my I'm yeah. off my nut. Um, and he does just you know like this was a splash from the top turnbuckles down through the table. And yeah. like these days you probably get that about four times on Raw and four times yeah. on SmackDown. But yeah. given the story that's just been told it felt massive it felt like oh my god yeah that was ridiculous um once that's happened they get in the ring and just how you've described he hits the elbow from the top of the ladder yeah that's where we go in our sequence of him he's he's hit that i think he's maybe tried to pin him he goes over at the corner and starts tuning up the band yeah um for switching music and the like the fans i mean the, the building's shaking Mm-hmm. When he's going to hit the the sweet chair music, yeah, um, yeah. Triple H blocks it um, to go for a pedigree, and Michaels reverses the pedigree into a roll up for the win. Um, and I, I don't know, I like, I, I quite like see when these matches finish not with somebody's finishing move, because um, yep. we've we've not got the sweet chair music hitting here. Um, we've not got a pedigree, obviously, but. I always feel like it leaves doors open um, when it's it's not a finisher because you're you're kind of left thinking, well, could Michaels have survived a pedigree? You know that, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, and it feels like it's close, and you're probably just thinking, oh, there's going to be a return match here, and then, oh, that dastardly bastard <laughs> covered in blood. <laughs> Michaels oh. is celebrating with the crowd, and bang, Triple H hits him in the hits him in the back with the yep. sledgehammer. Yep. Does it twice. And, does, he do, uh, does he do it twice? Yeah, he's he's done it the first time, then he does it again. And it's almost like kind of a hush over uh, the crowd, because uh, it's like that, I can't believe that happened. Oh my God, uh, because like they've been building them, they've had them in the palm of their hand, I think I've, I've written that down. Michael's essentially got the crowd in the palm of his hand. He mm-hmm. got that huge, big win. They want to celebrate with him. Yeah. And it just gets completely taken away from them. It's it's perfect. We end up with uh, Triple H 
covered in blood, walking down the ramp, looking so pleased with himself. Uh, he's lost the match, but he's it's like he's won the war. Okay. Um, and you've got Michaels with all the medical team coming in and then basically getting taken out in a stretcher. As hold, hold, the, hold on, was it a medical team or is it one guy in a lab coat? <laughs> it's one guy. Why is he wearing a lab coat? <laughs> yeah, it's a fair question. I don't want to pick holes in this. This is probably like... <laughs> I haven't spoke about it now. I think it might be one of my favourite matches I've ever seen. Yeah, and you've ruined it with the lab coat. But it, uh, it wasn't me that ruined it. Excuse me, it was Dr... Robotnik with a lab coat. <laughs> I have written at the end, this is just a match I haven't seen often enough and it's it's one of my favourites. Um and it's one of those where you know when you don't want to watch a match over and over again because mm-hmm. you kinda you get uh, sick of it or a bit desensitized from, yes. from what's going on. Yeah. Um but I was looking thinking, I I've probably only seen this match twice or something like that, which just seems insane because it's amazing. I think if the pay-per-view had ended then I would have been a happy bunny Yeah, it's something I wondered about that I was going to pose a question about because you've got the title match is still to come along with some really weird shit with the Fink but we can talk about that in a minute um, but do you think that they should have been reversed? I praised earlier the positions on the card um, thinking that they'd, they'd pretty much structured it right but I, I'm pretty sure if I was there in the crowd do I have anything left by the time the title match comes out? This is. Uh, I wondered the same thing, and I wondered if this is why The Rock gets the sort of reception that he gets, and if it's, it's something that they've been taking on such a ride. Yeah. They're just ready to boo somebody. They're just ready. Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I actually uh, forgot that we still had that to come because I was so uh, engaged in that match. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's brilliant. I can't. I can't put it over enough. I mean, if anyone happens to be listening to us that has <laughs> that has not seen that match, right. just just go and watch that match because it's awesome. Watch this whole pay per view, but you will you will love that match. Yeah, hundred um, percent. What's what's going on with the Fink? Well, I was going to ask you if you were interested in opening a pet store with me. Because hmm? you've got the puppies, that was, yeah, and I I've got the wiener. <laughs> what have the? What has become of the thing? This is total classic Vince. Nobody else would have wanted this. This would be Vince. I bet he was slapping his knee and doing his yuck 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 laugh. It's like we've just seen one of the most emotional matches of all time. Now I can, I suppose I can kind of see. Do you need a little bit of comic bit. relief? Uh, uh, but oh, I, 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 this just this was the shits. I liked when the it was the drizzling as the <laughs> Randy Orton would say. I I did like so so we've got the Fink and he says something like you just expect him to do his like his his wee introduction for the undisputed title match, but he says before this I've got some things to get off my chest. <laughs> He refers to himself as the Fink, I think. Yeah. And he and gets, Sorry, go on. It's like bragging about his longevity and, you know, I, I think he talks about how many summer slams and how many times he's been in that building or something like that. And then we've got Trish coming down. I'm I'm always happy to see Trish get, get her involved. But I was looking thinking, 
I don't really know what story they're telling here because there's clearly something has been going on a few weeks because I think Fink mentions Trish slapping him or something like that. And then she starts, you know, flirting with him a lot. And then... How um, is she refers to him as? Yeah. And then there's a hug and and the Fink seems absolutely delighted with the way <laughs> things have, have turned there. And then there's the the puppies situation. Um, yeah. And it all seems to be a setup for Lillian Garcia to to get some revenge. To, s- to slap the fink. Yeah. Uh, have you ever seen the, um, what are they called again? Kayfabe Commentaries uh, YouTube videos. Is his name Sean Oliver, the guy that does them? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Have you ever seen the one with X-Pac and what he says about Lillian Garcia? No. All right, okay. <laughs> cool. Oh, dear. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do I want to know? I, I don't know. Watch it and okay. uh, see what you think. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So this then was nonsense. Yeah, uh, and you know, you're you're sort of thinking, like like you. I'm thinking this show could be done, and I would be happy walking away. And then after that, I'm thinking I I I, I don't want any more. I just <laughs> let let me have finished on a high. <laughs> um, but then we've we've still got the title match to come and. Uh, they do a, a, a package. Um, we see Brock Lesnar kind of destroying everyone. Um, we, we get the feel of, you know, he's, he's on this tear basically through the, the whole roster. Um, we get a rocky training montage. We do. <laughs> um, and for The Rock. So, you know, that's fine. It's, it's funny. Like, The Rock's a champion here, but you wouldn't know it. Yeah, the, I, I think it's even mentioned, see, early on, uh, I think it's in like the first, maybe after the first match but in the interview segment, I think Heyman refers to The the Rock as the underdog. Does he? Uh, yeah. And it, it, it is kind of positioned like that. It's mm-hmm. it's set up as the coronation of Lesnar. Mm-hmm. And that's, I've, I've no issue with that because, you know, I think The Rock's halfway out the door to Hollywood. Um, yeah, I think it's him. I think he goes to to film the Sean William Scott film after this. Okay. Straight away um, after this. And that's probably, you, you and I spoke about him looking quite lean. Yeah, um, yeah, he, he does. Why. It's quite weird, actually, how, mm. how lean he is. Um, and I, I've no issue with the fact you've you've been building your star and, you know, you've, I, I'm pretty sure Stone Cold's gone by now, is he? Is he gone? Uh, yes, because it was the King of the Ring. It was the whole yeah. issue. Yes, that's right. He, he comes back, but not for very long. And, and you probably know he's not got long left in his career. Um, you know, the, the rock has a few out the door. So you're, you're needing to build stars. And they've obviously been pushing Lesnar very quickly. Um, and I've, I've no problem with that. And I think you've got your, your biggest star that's available on the show and he's going to put over and drop the belt to. Well, the next big thing, as yeah. they're, they're calling him. Um, so that, that sort of basic story I've, I've no issue with. It did feel a little bit throwaway in terms of the rock. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're, we're done with you. Move on. <laughs> um, but again, he's, he, he's on his way out the door regardless. Um, it's not like he's sitting there heartbroken, um, yeah. about the way he's, uh, been treated on the way out. Um, I, it wasn't, with everything that's gone, this wasn't a match that, like, in my notes and stuff, it doesn't stand out Aye. as a match. Um, it's fine. It, it does a job. Um, there were a- so, so, sorry, sorry. 
there, there was there was an issue I had with it. Oh. <laughs> you know how you talked about repetition in the previous with the shoulder and the yeah, yeah. things like that. Sean yep. <sighs> Michaels does his nip up. And <laughs> in this match, they both simultaneously. One. Yeah. And I feel like Michaels needed it. You know, everything, the, the back injury, everything. Yeah. Um, and I, I felt like it, it took away a little bit mm-hmm. um, from him being able to do it. It looked pretty cool, them both doing it. And on a different show, I would have been absolutely fine with it. Um, but I just felt it. It makes it look cool. Look at all the people that can do this. I am with you. Um, we've got, uh, I think Brock Lesnar's dominating early. There's quite a lot of Paul Heyman involvement. I've, got, I've written that down. I've never seen Heyman get so physically involved in a match. Yeah. And given they're wanting to put, put Lesnar over big, they're obviously not wanting to bury The Rock, but uh, they're wanting to put Lesnar over. I was a little bit surprised by just how involved Heyman was. Aye, same. Um, I really was. Yeah. I don't know if I, I've ever I, seen him get take a take any sort of move like that as well. He takes a nah. rock through the announcer's table. Yeah, I'd, I'd never seen him take a move like that. I've seen him take a punch and things like that, Aye. but not, not a move like that. I also didn't remember, and I suppose I maybe wasn't watching... A lot of it certainly weekly at the time this was going on. I don't remember Lesnar being all about the suplexes way back then. Like he, he was doing this like it was 2018. Um, there was a hell of a lot of suplexes being hit. Um, I remember for a couple of years, it was basically every match he had about what three years ago was Aye. just non stop suplexes. Yeah. Um, I, I did like the way that I think at the very start, The Rock's doing his, you know, he did this sort of succession of punches yeah. and Lesnar just grabbed him and the belly yeah. belly and threw him over his head and it was like wow yeah and there's there's a couple of moments because there's, there's one right near the, the finishing sequence where The Rock is who he is and some of the stuff he does is a bit over the top and a bit unnecessarily flashy showy and things like that mm-hmm. and it almost feels like uh, you can't do that with this guy it's going to catch up with you and you'll pay for it um, which I, th- I thought was again quite a quite a nice story Um because, again, if you're building Lesnar as this almost impossible to beat machine, um, then any time wasting, any anything showy or flashy, I can see logically you would pay for yeah. to some extent. Yeah. Um, I think I think it's impossible to speak about this match without speaking about the crowd and the crowd's reaction to The Rock yeah. and how he deals with that. Um, I don't know. I, I have sort of mixed feelings about this. So two seconds in... I think we get a Rocky Sucks chant. Mm-hmm. I'm fairly yeah. sure. Uh, we're getting Let's Go Lesnar chants quite a lot. Yeah. Just randomly throughout the match. Um, for me, it comes to a head maybe three quarters of the way through where The Rock puts him in the sharpshooter. Mm-hmm. Um, what are they shouting? Oh, it's Let's Go Lesnar they're shouting. Yeah. And he's in the sharpshooter and The Rock's sort of looking about. I don't know. Uh, yeah. How do you feel about the way? Because because obviously we've seen this before. We saw this with Hogan and Rock at WrestleMania 18. Yeah, and that, yeah, that may you, you know that thing of wrestling fans they like see something. It's like the what chant. It's bloody annoying yeah. to watch, but I guarantee if you went to the show, you'd be wanting to shout what. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it is a it's an interesting one because I I I thought he looked annoyed by it, like the Rock. Um, it's obviously not the plan. Because you, you can see it happening with a Hogan. I, and I think 
you know, I've listened to, to podcasts about that WrestleMania and, and I think Pritchard has said, well, we always know there's a risk. You know, there, there's always going to be Hogan fans. Mm. And as long as basically there's wrestling, there, those fans will be there and it'll be the same with Stone Cold. Now, he'll, he'll continue to get the biggest pop whenever he comes out until all those fans are gone, basically. But um, the, the Hogan thing, you could see it, but Lesnar's never really been anything but a heel. Yeah. And he is associated with a manager that makes you a heel. Um, and I, I think this one probably came as a shock. Cause I, I'm sure they were thinking, well, he's, he's the baby face. He's the heel. This is really cut and dried. Um, I, and I, I don't, I'm not going to say I thought it through the rock, but I, there's just some facials. I was thinking, I, I don't think he's very pleased with this reaction I, that he's getting here. Normally you would expect him to. Well, obviously we know what the rock's like, and we've we've seen him, and this is two thousand and two. We've seen him at sort of peak heel, in ninety eight, ninety nine, where he's absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. And this sort of babyface version of him is kind of similar to I feel to how we spoke about Edge. It's just a yeah, little bit, mm, just not an awful lot there. Hi, um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if he was. I I, I think he could have leaned into it. Possibly yeah, a bit more. Yeah, yeah. Because um, um, he didn't, he didn't play to it. Even though I thought facially he looked annoyed, annoyed and confused. I. Yeah, but he didn't react to it as such. If you know what I mean. I. Um, but yeah, I, I know what you mean about the character. Because I think our our favourite uh, rock was like those uh, days in the the nation when he's just starting to take control and he's, uh, you know, he's. I don't think cool heel is the right word. He's like this incredibly smarmy, arrogant, arrogant guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it, it plays into being a heel and y- you can't help but, I don't know, laugh and react positively. It, yeah. Whereas when he's the baby face, but he's not, you know, he didn't have a mic in his hand. So he's not coming out and doing all his catchphrases and eyebrow raising, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, I don't know, maybe you could have, I suppose the risk is they would have buried him, but maybe you could have got round it if he'd had if he'd gone to the ring first and had a microphone and just had a few things to say um, before it started. But I always preferred him as a heel. Uh, he's just there's more character there when he's a heel. And I think as a face, he needs uh, like a really like a Triple H, like a really strong character heel. Yeah, yeah. To go up against a dastardly heel if they want him to play that baby face, whereas I think. The way that Lesnar was being positioned, which we obviously talked about with the package, it just made him look like an absolute beast. Yeah. And yeah. although he was a heel, like you say, and, and um, the way that Heyman was acting in the match was probably to emphasise that. Mm-hmm. It just maybe never got over the way yeah. that it should have. Yeah, because I, yeah, I suppose if, if you were... Heyman... Heyman in match couldn't have done more to elicit the booze <laughs> yeah, from the yeah. crowd um, and he you know he even as you say goes through the the announce desk I've got a note about uh, Rock hitting a rock bottom on Lesnar in the middle of the ring and when Lesnar kicks out the cheer the, the cheer when Lesnar kicks out is uh, is quite something that's crazy um, and then you've got uh, Lesnar hitting a, a rock bottom on the rock um, like that yeah yeah me too and it's yeah, it mixes things up a bit when you see somebody doing the the, the, the other person's finisher. I like those those I liked moments. When, when Austin and Rock traded the rock bottom and, and stunners. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, when we're heading towards the the finishing sequence, she's got a, a spine buster by the rock, and we know what that's designed to set up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he starts, you know, he does his removing the elbow pad. He looks at the crowd. He does the the crisscross on the ropes, um, and Brock just jumps up and hits him with a massive clothesline. And I really liked that, that because you've got like they've talked before about you know the the people's elbow was never supposed to be a serious thing. And this, this has come out over the years. It was a over the top reaction to an elbow drop. Yeah. And it's, it was supposed to be a bit like, um, uh, it was supposed to be a little bit mocking of the leg drop by Hogan. Okay. Um, and, uh, how much damage is that really causing you? Nobody ever kicks out of that. That's a bit weird type thing. Um, and then the, the rocks making a, a massive show of the fact he's going for it. And the fact that he, he does the cross, the running the ropes for as long as he does is there's so much time for somebody to get up, but uh, never actually having seen anyone do it, which yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Um, it's the fact that he got up and smashed them the way he did as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, then we've got Lesnar going for an F5, but Rock fights out of it. Rock going for a rock bottom, but Lesnar fighting out of that. And then Lesnar uh, catches him and, and hits the F5 for the, the pin win. Yeah, I um, expected him to kick out that F5, did you? No, I, I, I think I remembered right. that because uh, the F5 certainly in the early years, was really protected. Yeah, no, I was, like, I was uh, totally pleasantly surprised. I was like, yes, yeah. no kick mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. A finishing um, move's a finishing move. Yeah, and, and you know, if you're having your monster, I suppose, um, his, his, his finishing move has got to be a finishing move. Ah, 100%. Um, like, look at The Rock there. The, the Rock's put him over. There's probably nothing else he could have done to put him over. He's had him kick out his finishing move. He's yeah. cleaned him. Uh, he's pinned him clean with his finisher. Uh, like the rock's done everything right yeah absolutely and i think uh, I, I sometimes imagine when you're you know going back if you're one of the performers going back through the curtain i do imagine uh you know vince uh, even though maybe the crowd reactions didn't go the way they wanted it there, there's nothing he can say to the rock about any negativity he's totally put him over mm. he's put him over clean um, he's done the job on the way out as you're, you know, supposed to do. He's, they, they've crowned the, the next big thing. They mention in the, the commentary he's the youngest champion in, in WWE history. Um, and I think that it's one of the very, right at the very end, I think Taz, I think it's Taz on, on that commentary side said, who the hell's going to be able to yeah, stop I Lesnar? Like I really um, like that line. Yeah. And it's, it's such a simple line, but. It, it just adds something, yeah. you know. Um, so yeah, I, I thought it was fine, but it was really hard to follow what had been for the street fight. Um, that, ah, yeah, but a really, really good show overall. Uh, yeah, I've said I believe about a million times, but just <laughs> uh, incredible pay per view. Thank you for picking it. Ah, like, you're welcome. Restored my faith in <laughs> watching wrestling. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> So I, that can only leave me to disappoint you with what I'm going to pick. Um, I I, I considered going with the next pay-per-view, which was Unforgiven 2002. Um, Brock Lesnar versus Undertaker was the main event of that. I considered that. I considered going 
you know, like so far away from that, looked at 89, 88 Survivor Series. Yeah. Um, thought about some of these old WCW pay-per-views as well, which I'd probably like to get to at some point. Um, however, I just, I really, really enjoyed Triple H in this. Um, and I wanted something similar. So I have decided for No Way Out 2001. Okay. Um, which is the three stages of hell, Stone Cold oh, versus Triple H. Wow. And it's also he- headlined by um, The Rock versus Kurt Angle. I haven't seen that show for a very long time. That'll be fun. Do you want me to tell you what else is on that? Go for it. Uh, Big Show versus Raven. Okay. Uh, hardcore title match. We've got a four-way Intercontinental Championship match. Jericho, Benoit, X-Pac, Eddie Guerrero. Okay. Trish Stratus versus Stephanie McMahon. <clears throat> okay. Uh, Stone Cold Triple H, three stages of hell. Love I it. seem to remember them having just a, a really fun rivalry. Yeah, because they were... they had, had they been teaming for a while or did that come after? No, that was after. So this is the pay-per-view right. just before WrestleMania 17. Ah, okay. And that got came you. after when Austin turned heel. Yeah, got you. Um, Edge and Christian. Uh, so a triple threat tag team title match. Edge and Christian v. Dudleys versus Kane and Undertaker. Nice. And the Rock v. Kurt Angle. Awesome. I'm looking forward to that because it's it's one of those shows. It's a bit like this one where I kind of know it, but I don't remember it, mm. if you know what I mean. No. Um, so I think that'll be good fun. Um, yeah, cool. Excellent. Well, after last time, I went straight away and watched the SmackDown before SummerSlam 2 and thoroughly enjoyed it to the point where I was like, let's watch every SmackDown round about that idea. It was amazing. <laughs> Uh, might do the same here. We'll see. Yeah, I, Smack, the early days of SmackDown isn't something I, I feel like I saw enough. Like, I think I'd, I'd mentioned, certainly to you previously, that I remember like coming in from the pub on a Saturday night and thinking, well, what, what's this? Because Raw's on on a Friday night. And thinking, <laughs> what, what's this show? And I was like, why are all the wrestlers like backstage sitting in chairs and all that? Um, and just, you know, having had quite a few beers, trying to get my head around what was going on. And that there's a new show. Okay. And uh, because it was on, on a Saturday night, I just don't think I saw it as often. I think I was usually out um, back in, in those days in, in my prime. Um, whereas... I, I remember I, I used to, certainly for a period of time, I would always watch Raw. Um, but I, I think I'd, I'd moved away from watching it regularly when SmackDown was starting. Um, so it was more just a, a drunken something to, something to put on the telly in that in-between stage of getting in and having some food before going to sleep. Going to sleep, right. Yeah. Yeah, nice. so that yeah, old old Smackdowns are something I might even just watch some of them just for fun. But, uh, um, excuse, don't be going off, off <laughs> just doing your own thing here. <laughs> <laughs> but I could I could use it as a, a a testing. Yeah, I could feed back to you and be like, yeah, we should watch every Smackdown from then to then. Yes, <laughs> you know I like to get excited about doing something, then change my mind the next day. So <laughs> I'm all about that. Yeah, I mean, as long as we're not back on every event of 98, then we're fine. <laughs> Avoid WCW at all costs. 
<laughs> right, thank you for that. Um, if anyone out there is listening and uh, has watched SummerSlam 2002, give us a shout on Outlaws Pod on Instagram. Um, and if there's a better SummerSlam pay-per-view, I would love to know what it is because that was just absolutely tremendous. Right, Adam. Oh, Ad, oh. Ad, what did I call you? Ad, Ad Ezekiel. Right, Ad Ezekiel. Yeah. Yep. Um, give your best to your big brother. Give my best to your big brother. Yep. And uh, I'll, ju- I'll just play along with okay, it now. Right, I, I can't remember. I can't think which side I'm supposed to be on here. <laughs> whether I'm supposed. So if I'm him, then I, I guess I, I'm fully aware of me. I'm just not sure who the Kevin Owens is in this scenario. Who am I? <laughs> Maybe we'll have a lie detector test for the next <laughs> podcast. Uh, right until next episode until episode 29 where we'll we'll be in hell three stages um, with no way out 2001 until then take it easy Adam thank you you too Ezekiel